Uh, so it says here that the privilege granted Abraham and Lot is not denied to us as well, right? By showing hospitality to God's children, we too may receive his angels into our dwellings. Abraham was like, please, don't. Don't, don't do it. Yeah, don't do it. Can you imagine? I would be fuming if that was my dad. I'd be like, I, dad, are you, are excuse you me? Uh, yeah, are you mad? Um... But also, I guess that's showing hospitality in a way because you don't want to bring that's harm too to much strangers. Don't <laughs> know what we learn from Abraham that submission to God should happen in all circumstances, and we need to have that same spirit today. Happy Friday, everyone! Thank you for tuning into Virtue Us. Happy Friday! Thank you so much for joining us. I'm so excited for the topic today. Um, I was just saying the story is a juicy one, so I'm so ready to get into it. But before we do that, as always, we want to say a prayer to our listeners. Our prayer for today is: Lord, help us to show people around us your love and attention in a way that they have never seen before. Amen. So our topic this week is sharing God's mission. So as you know, the theme is God's mission, my mission. I'm going to go straight into it with the first topic. So our first headline is the gift of hospitality and it's focusing hospitality, hospitality. and it's focusing on Genesis 18, 1 to 15. I'm not going to read it. Please make sure you read it yourself just to familiarize yourself. But I'll give you a quick recap, okay? So we pick it up in Genesis 18. And basically what happens is Abraham is sitting outside his tent and he says it's midday. It's basically hot. He's just sitting outside his tent and he's looking. And then he sees these three men walking. And what it says is, actually, no, before I even talk about what it says, I, I've got a question for you, Ira. Okay. Do you like visitors? Hmm. What do you mean? In your home, do you like Generally visitors? speaking, I actually like visitors, you know. There's a lot of people who don't. Even unwelcome visitors, I'm not too mad at them. I'd be like, maybe that's because I'm an extrovert and I feed off people's energy. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think it depends who it is. Yeah. <laughs> well, generally speaking, I know like certain times you have like, my dad is so good at having uncles. But back in the day when he was much younger, they'd almost have sleepovers. <laughs> and there'll be a point where you're like, why has this uncle not left yet? Yeah, like <laughs> time to go. Yeah. <laughs> So um, I'm okay with visitors. I ain't mad at them. I'm 50. I think it also depends like how I'm feeling as well. I've heard you talk about some of your visitors and you've hey, said hey, them. Hey, 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 <laughs> hey. Anyway. So basically back to the story. <laughs> so Abraham sees these three men and it says he actually hurries out and goes to these three men. He bows in front of them and says, listen, you are not, you need to do me a favor. You're not going anywhere until you come to my house and basically let me feed you. And the guys, the three men are like, all right, cool, sure, we'll do that. So Abraham goes in his tent and he's like, yo, Sarah, can you like get the best flour and bake these guys, you know, some bread? And if I was Sarah, I'd be like, this man, like, what is Isn't your problem? It? Like, yeah, disturbing my peace. <laughs> honestly. And then he goes out and it says he gets a nice calf. He gets milk for them. He basically gives them a good meal. Okay. Just highlighting how hospitable abraham was to these strangers now as always anytime i read this i'm always trying to think of how we apply this to every day and it was almost uh i was almost it was almost telling me off for you know how before you said you know how i used to speak about visitors and it made me realize that michelle you're not actually showing god's love 
where you're not hospitable to people. Like my home or our homes should always be a place where people are able to come and not just that they're able to feel God's presence it's it's a way to evangelize to people mm. just by how you treat them and literally that's what stood out to me when I was reading this now if you go into the story you'll read how Sarah was by the tent and she was listening into what the strangers were saying and basically one of them was like oh where is uh, Sarah your wife and Abraham's like oh yeah she's in the tent when I read this I was like Abraham did, are, are you not because with me I'd be like how do you even know my my wife's name is Sarah yeah like anyway and then the other one is like okay well we're going to be back in about a year and by that time Sarah's going to have a baby now Sarah is in the tent and she's like what are these men talking about like Abraham is old <laughs> I'm old this isn't going to happen and she actually starts laughing and then the man who are outside is like, oh, Sarah, why did you laugh? And she gets so scared because remember, she's having this almost internal like dialogue. And she's like, I didn't laugh. And then the one of the men is like, yes, you did. And I was like, I wish I was there to see this because it actually sounds so jokes when you're reading it. So make sure you actually check it out. But there are a few principles that I actually wanted to draw out of this story that I think we should zone in on, especially when we're talking about sharing God's um, mission. The first one is that it tells us that Abraham actually hurried to these men. He mm. approached these men. And I think sometimes with hospitality, we think that we just need to make a comfortable place for people to come in. But sometimes it also means going out to people and inviting them back in. Yeah, that's number one. Uh, number two, another thing that I did, because obviously he prepares for a good meal for them it sounds delicious it's like get the finest of everything so whenever you do have um guests I think it's important for them for you to feed them and I've noticed anytime we have any type of meetings whether it's like um a bible study or you know anytime when there's a gathering there's always food involved and I was like I wonder why that is so I did a little google search and I actually found an article on LinkedIn nice. if you can believe it by a man, I think he's a managing director at a place called Glinteret. I don't know if I, or Glinteret, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it well. But an article uh, done by John Laurie, and he basically entitled it, like basically the five strategies or strategic benefits of having food at your meetings. Mm -hmm. And I just want to read these out because I feel like there's certain things that we can pick out um, and apply them in our Christian lives. So the, the five principles, he said, number one, it builds rapport. It represents your brand well. It keeps your participants on the ball. It helps them get some headspace. And also, everybody loves free food. So basically, in essence, what he's saying is great food makes for great meetings. And so I was thinking, this is something that obviously hospitality is not just about food, but food is a nice, it's a nice bonus. And when you're together fellowshipping and talking about Christ, presenting them with nutritious, healthy food I think can also help us to, number one, build a good rapport with people, uh, represent the brand as in show them who we are as Christians, um, keep our participants on the ball. Have you ever gone to someone's house for Sabbath lunch and you're all fellowshipping and you're all talking about God and we love food. a good Sabbath lunch It's just so here. nice, isn't it? Like you just, even when you leave, you just feel so much closer or so refreshed uh, by the word of God gives you into gets you into a nice headspace as well and finally as it says free food is always welcome so I really enjoyed um this lesson on Sunday and I really hope that we're able to apply it into our lives I this is totally like ad-libbing almost 
But as you were talking, mm-hmm. it immediately reminded me of... So me and Alex, as part of our journey as a couple working towards marriage, mm-hmm. we read The Adventist Home, Big Up E.G. Dubs, Ellen White's book, which is one of her latest books, The Adventist Home. It's a big, thick book, boy. I know. But <laughs> I know. I like that ad lib. Um, but we read it back to front. And this is going deep into that book. But it's one of the chapters that I remember the most. Chapter 72, Hospitality. Mm. Because, boy, it shocked me. What some of the stuff. First of all, when I saw Hospitality, I'm like... What business have you got writing about hospitality, Ellen White? Like, what does my Christian life, what does my Adventist home got to do anything with hospitality? I'm going to read an extract. And this is going off the cuff. Nope, I didn't write notes on this. So let's see what comes out. Let's go. So it says here that the privilege granted Abraham and Lot is not denied to us as well, right? By showing hospitality to God's children, we too may receive his angels into our dwellings. Hmm. And even in our day, angels in human form enter the homes of men and are entertained by them. Mm. We never know what angels were inviting into our home. But Mm. also we don't know if we could be a blessing to others. Mm. And it continues to say, And Christians who live in the light of God's countenance are always accompanied by unseen angels. And these holy beings leave behind them a blessing in our homes. I don't know about you, but that fills me with warmth. So much warmth. And... It, I really recommend everyone read this chapter, but certain subtitles are, in call, uh, are entitled Neglected Opportunities and Privileges, where a lover of hospitality is among the specifications given by the Holy Spirit as marking one who is to bear responsibility in the church. Hmm. That has a lot of indications in terms of your, your character. Um, there are inadequate excuses as well, as Ellen White says here, about why you're not trying to have people in your home like oh we don't have ingredients or we don't have space our house ain't clean and she's basically bundled that you're supposed to be um sharing that hospitality with others and it also talks about blessings lost by selfish exclusiveness Mm. so one of the things that growing up i used to enjoy potlucks after church Mm -hmm. it was one of the things pretty much throughout my pre-teen life to when I was a teenager there was always a Sabbath lunch somewhere with our family and friends yeah and it was always a time to be greedy I guess because everyone brings so much food and in a Filipino culture you eat non-stop that was (laughs) always the same people coming every Sabbath but what Ellen White is telling us here is is that you should actually extend your invite to not socially entertain the same people again and again. And even just the word entertainment, you shouldn't be doing that. Mm. You should invite people who are hungry, who are in need. And when we were studying this, I said to Alex, um, excuse you. I don't know about, (laughs) I don't know about you, but I ain't really trying to invite no randomers into our home. Like strangers, like literally hungry people. (laughs) Let's be real. Are you going to go out on the street and invite a homeless person into your home? It's unlikely, right? It's just very unlikely, but that's what we're being really challenged to do here. I'm still asking God to work on me in that regard of my character. But I thought it was profound because Mm. I've never really come across 
instruction like that that was so practical all you got to do as ellen white says is just make some food invite the right people and the right people isn't the people in your circle who are rich you know who are blessed with food it's the randomers it's the strangers you bring into your home mm. so sorry i digress but monday's lesson is entitled abraham's love for everyone oh i think I, you're not even digressing i think that like flows really oh nice. you think so yeah. oh thank you very much god is good uh <laughs> But I had recently watched this movie, which, to be honest, it was one of them ones where you're like, I'm bored. I don't really know what to watch, but this this will have to do. And the movie I watched was entitled Victoria and Abdul. don't know if you've heard about it. It's no. probably a low-key movie. I feel like it's... Judy Dench was the actress in it, who was playing Victoria, Queen Victoria. Okay. It's basically a movie that... Re revolves around the real-life relationship between Queen Victoria of England mm -hmm. and her Indian Muslim servant, Abdul Karim. And at the time, as you can imagine, when was Queen Victoria about? Boy, way before our time. Was it 1800s? 1900s? Pass. I have no idea. Someone's going to have to find out. But Queen Victoria, bruh, it was years and years and years ago, way before our time. So, very white as you can imagine. <laughs> but she goes and gets a, an Indian Muslim servant, Abdul. And in the story, I found it quite funny because they introduce things like he brought a mango to her. And she was like, what is this? He's like, it's a mango. <laughs> and she was just like, "Rod, this is the maddest fruit I've ever had. It's like mm. the best fruit. Of course, like mango is an A1 fruit. Oh, trust. Um... And what was interesting to me in that movie was people found it so peculiar that she grew really fond of Abdul to the point where Queen Victoria was saying, nah, can you, can everyone else get out of the room, please? I just want to, I just want to chat to my guy Abdul here. Mm. And it wasn't romantic at all because at this point, Queen Victoria was really, really old mm. and he was a young brother. Um, she just liked his company. He mm. just liked learning about Indian culture and Indian as a, uh, India as a country. Which I quite like that dynamic. It was a really lighthearted movie. But it also highlighted the kind of uh, ethnic and racial and religious divide. Because obviously Muslim and Indian. And then you got like a whole room of white people. They've been that mm. He was shipped out to the UK to serve Queen Victoria. And so I was like, I really loved the fact that she loved Abdul despite his race despite religion and obviously race and religion is still a continuing ongoing issue to this day it causes a lot of strife and yeah. and debate across just even our neighbors but one thing i was trying to do was like let me let me look like let me look for someone let me look for like a character in the bible that just personifies love but i was like bruh why do i have to get like <laughs> uh get creative when the best example i could ever really bring is jesus mm. and you know jesus was pretty much like i don't even know where to begin really he was give me a word it's not abused but abuse is the word i'm looking at like that's coming to mind ill-treated mistreated no so jesus was mistreated by us he was abandoned isolated persecuted by us and and yet he he goes away 
and prays to God, you know what, Lord, like, please forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. That is love. The fact that you would die for the very people that are hurting you. Mm. Bro, just best believe if someone even like, goes out of their way to like inconvenience me, I'm side eyeing them. I'm like immediately like mm. recently I, I found myself switching at someone because I think they had stolen the trolley cart that I, I had put a pound in. <laughs> I'm oh like, but why? But why do you need to do that to me? I was switching and then I caught myself. I was like, wait a second. I'm so sorry, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I had to put my hands up because I was like, oh, I kind of slipped there. Mm. But I've caught myself again. But there are times where if, if God hasn't revealed that kind of trait in you, you won't even know that you're doing anything too yeah. mad. Sometimes you just be like, nah, I'm justified to move like this because this person has done something like marginally bad to me mm, taking Imagine, you for a mug yeah you know one likes to be taken for a mug mm. that, that saying like do i have mug written in my forehead mm. Mm. yet jesus and everything that he experienced was still able to pray for us and show us love and mercy and grace i have to just like ask for forgiveness and and seek god to just continue to work in me uh but when when we're reading here it talks about abraham and how the the people of Sodom and Gomorrah were sinners and, and basically God says to Abraham, yeah, I've made this decision, yeah? Executive final decision. I'm about to, to just burn up the city. They're going, isn't it? Um, and then Abraham was like, please, don't. <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't do it. Yeah, don't do it. Uh, with great humility and reverence, Abraham addressed his request to God. Far be it from you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked, so that the righteous fare as the wicked. Far be that from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? I.e., bruv, don't be burning up. There's some, there's some people within that party that don't deserve to be treated like that. Mm. You know, like praying for them. And through his love, Abraham had hoped to save all the people in the city, not only the righteous, can I just say. Abraham, of course, being around them people, knew just how evil and wicked these people were who lived there. Mm. And yet Abraham, knowing for himself the love of God, appealed to God in, in their behalf. Abraham knew that human beings always can return to God in repentance, isn't it? To Abraham, saving the inhabitants of this city would give them a chance to repent. I think that's mm. what he was looking for, was just a bit of... Yo, Lord, like, give give them some time. They're going to repent. They're going to come, yeah. I think that's what... And I feel like that should be one of our earnest hopes is, is to pray for people who've done us dirty, God dirty, and, and, like, ask them to be repentant. And for me, one of the things that I really picked out while reading Genesis 18 was how important, once again, intercessory prayer is, not just in our loved ones, but neighbors and communities and people that would do us wrong and again i just i just encourage all of us to pray for the people who do us wrong love that i think you said this last week the lesson actually repeats so much and as i think ira said ira and i don't actually look at each other's notes when we're recording so it's only when we're recording and we're talking like she'll say something like oh my goodness that was going to be my point 
Because Wednesday's, no, Tuesday's lesson is Abraham's spirit of prayer. And I was going to talk about intercessory prayer as well. Um, I only touched on it lightly, girl. I, I feel like you, you you did a great job. I feel like I almost don't have anything else to say. Um, but yeah, you're right. We, you know, we, we delve into it in Genesis 18, 23 to 32, where, you know, Abraham is like, oh, like, will you save the place if there's 50 good people? And then God is like, okay, cool. If there's 50, I'll save. He's like, okay, now that I know, you know, I'm bold enough. Is it going to, will you save if there's 45? And if you read on, it, it, he literally goes all the way down to 10. And what I liked about this story is it's, it's, it's a number of things. The intercessory or the love that he had for other people to even present them to the Lord, to pray for them is amazing. And I, my mentor actually called me one day. And I missed the call, but she left me a voicemail. I don't know why she did that, because she knows I don't listen to my voicemails. So I call her back and I'm like, hey, what's up? She's like, oh, like, did you listen to my voicemail? I was like, no, I didn't. Can you just like, just tell me like <laughs> you're here now? And then she's like, no, no, listen to the voicemail. I was like, oh, come on, like, I'm here. Just say, she's like, no, trust me, you won't regret it. Listen to the voicemail. And I was just like, oh, okay, I'm not getting my way here. I'll just listen to the voicemail. And it was actually a prayer. She was actually praying for me, praying for my day. And when I tell you, after I listened to it, my day was, I just had the most gorge day. Oh, it was I love just, that. it was such a nice thing Do to that listen for me. to. <laughs> <laughs> but I've done that for you. We've done that for each other before. No, but you know? I want a voicemail tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> actually, you used to send me voicemails of prayers, you know? Mm, yeah, like I voice did. notes. Do yeah, you remember? Voice yeah. Notes. And I think it's such an amazing thing to to do for somebody, to share that, to to pray on behalf of someone, whether it's just by yourself when you're doing either your morning or your evening devotions or whenever you're praying to pray for someone. I think it's even more beautiful when you actually call that person and say, hey, I just want to pray for you. And I think the greatest example that we have, which is found both in Romans 8.34 and Hebrews 7.25, just on the topic of intercessory prayer, is that in both texts, it tells us just that Jesus is interceding for us. And I think you even mentioned it before that the greatest example to give is Jesus. Um, we've all heard the saying, or have you ever heard the saying, do as I say, not as I do? Yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad that I worship a God who, no, worship the God who does not believe in do as I say, not as I do. And that showed me in these two texts that I've just highlighted today that Jesus is already interceding for us uh, on our behalf. And as Christ followers, I believe that we should be doing the same, interceding for other people, praying without ceasing uh, for other people. Our lives should mimic as Christ followers what Christ is also doing for us. And that takes us nicely to our Wednesday lesson, which is entitled Abraham's Mission. I, okay, I have read Abraham's story a few times and Lot's story a few times, but mm. I must admit, it's always juicy every time I read it again. I'm like, always. that story. Um, and so if you guys haven't read it yet, I definitely encourage you to read Genesis 19. And I'll just read some extracts or I'll try and break it down real quick here where Lot has, Lot has visitors come true in it. That evening, the two um, two, 
<laughs> two angels come to the city of Sodom. And it's the same visitors who had visited Abraham before, the ones he ran to meet, by the way. I, I never knew it was the same thing. That's because I never read properly. I'll just read there we go. pieces. But anyway, sorry. Thank you for that. <laughs> and so he got up, went to see them. And at this point, by the way, Lot was sitting near the city gates. And according to research, he must have been, you know, like... Uh, Someone who was like big in the game, like big in the city, like you had to be, it was a privilege for you to sit by them gates there. Mm -hmm. So my guy goes up to them and he says, sirs, please come to my house and I will serve you. There you can wash your feet and stay the night. Then tomorrow you can continue your journey. Um, that evening, you know, just before bedtime, uh, men from every part of the town come to Lot's house and they're young and old. Yeah, right. It's, this one is mad to me. Uh. And they're screaming and shouting, where are that two? Where are the two men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us. We want to have sex with them. Wild. That's why it was called Sodom. Makes sense. Mm. Why? What do you mean? Uh, I'll explain later. Okay. <laughs> uh, and... Lot went outside and closed the door behind him. And he said to them, no, my friends, I beg you, please don't do this evil thing. Look, I have two doors who have never slept with... Can you imagine? I would be fuming if that was my dad. I'd be like, I, dad, are you... Excuse are you me? Uh, yeah, are you mad? Um, but also, I guess that's showing hospitality in a way because you don't want to bring That's too much to hospitality, bro. Don't show me that much hospitality, I beg. Um... They have come to my house and I must protect them. Then the men surrounding the house came and said, you know, get out of our way. Um, basically, they were just forceful. They was they was really trying to get on with these visitors, which I thought was mad that Lot would even offer up his two daughters. Okay, fast forward to verse 12. Um, the two men said to Lot, a.k.a. angels, right? Mm -hmm. Are there any people other than... Um, your family living in the city. Do you have any sons-in-law, sons, daughters, or any other people from your family here? If so, you're going to need to tell them to move and leave because we're about to destroy the city. And the Lord heard how evil the city was, so he sent us to destroy it. Mm -hmm. um, so Lot went out and spoke to bare people, you know, hurry, leave this place because it's going to be destroyed soon. And just to tell them again that the city is going to be punished. So take take your wives and your daughters and leave this place. Um, when Lot didn't move fast enough, the two men grabbed his hand and they also took the hands of his wife and his two daughters and kind of just basically fled. You know, you fled the scene because it's about yeah. to go down. Yeah. Um, and it just fast forward, basically, Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed, didn't it? Mm -hmm. It was peak for them all because the town was just moving mad. From time you've got young men and old men saying bring out those two men because we're trying to have sex with them you're done out that is done out here that is very evil um and the fact that also they were being offered up two virgin daughters and they were still like nah bring out the men <laughs> that sounds mad to me in any case um and then also lot's wife here yeah you guys need to read it in verse 26 but basically she was following behind them running you know hustling away and fleeing the scene but she turns away because she hesitated she didn't really want to leave that city mm. and bam she was turned into a block of salt mm. i'm telling you guys this story is very juicy read genesis 19 but moral of the story is that you know what we didn't actually know how many people were living in um, the city of sodom and gomorrah at the time of this account but obviously as you can imagine there were thousands of people living there and there was only a small number of people that was actually saved at the end mm. and and for us this is kind of a realization again or kind of bringing it back to our 
like reminding us that also in the end days that not everyone is going to be saved. There's just going to be a minimal amount. Ideally, we all want to be in that number, don't Mm. we? Mm. And uh, it is my desire, it should be everyone's desire here that is listening to not only be saved, but that we would like everyone as much as possible to accept Jesus and his plan of us plan of salvation to be saved Mm -hmm. but we just like those people back in the day have free will it is down to us to decide do we want to be part of that number or not we can never force you no one can ever force you your mom can't force you your uncle your dad your auntie could never force you it is down to you but just know that god will always assist you uh, through the holy spirit to be saved and also to go out and save the others that you know, he is calling you to. But in the end, free will means that no matter what we do, no matter how much we pray, salvation comes down to each individual's choice. Amen. I love that. I almost almost want to end it there, but we've got one more day, which is Thursday. And Thursday's topic is submission to God's will. Still on the topic of Abraham. Let's start off in Genesis 12, 1 to 9. Um, And just a quick recap. I think last week we spoke about Abraham's faith when um, God tells him to just basically take your people and move to another land. Um, and I was thinking, it's not just Abraham's faith that's admirable. It's also his submission to God's will. And I saw this in kind of two different stories. So the first one is, of course, as I said, when he's told to pack up and leave. But the second one is found in uh, Genesis 22. And I want to be saved for various reasons. Obviously, I want to be in heaven with my peeps, live eternally with God. But I also want to ask some serious questions Mm. to a few people like, Isaac, how was it when you and your dad were walking down? And he had almost killed you. Like, what was going through your head? Like, what happened? Because if you read the story, it kind of, after God gives, okay, let me just go back, just in case we have listeners who are not familiar with the story. So basically, in Genesis 22, Abraham's tested by God. And basically, Abraham didn't have any children. Well, he did have. But Sarah didn't have any children apart from Isaac. And so one day, um, the test is basically God tells Abraham to sacrifice Isaac as you know, yeah, as a burnt offering to him. So then Abraham takes a few of his servants and Isaac and they start making their way up um, to where he was going to sacrifice him. I can't remember what uh, the place was called. Um, but basically after they've walked, he kind of tells his servants, okay, you guys stay here. I'm just going to take, I'm just going to go with Isaac and we're going to go up. And he actually gives Isaac the wood that he was going to sacrifice him on. Side note, I like good movies like well-written movies I like movies that show foreshadowing and when I was reading this I was like this is amazing foreshadowing where we have a father who is giving up his only not only I keep saying only who's giving up his quote-unquote only son by Sarah promised son maybe promised son yeah Yeah. I like that and not only that he then gives him what he's going to be sacrificed on and I was like this is exactly what happened with Jesus you know God Mm, gave us Jesus and you know as we know in the death Jesus actually carries his own cross for a bit and I was just like it excites me when I make those kind of links but anyway let's go back to the story so then it says when they go when they get up there like Isaac is like yo dad what's going on you know we don't we don't have you know a sacrifice 
And then Abram's like, don't worry, God will provide. I think that's the place is now called God will provide somewhere in Lebanon. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so then they get up there and it says he just, he ties up Isaac and he puts him on there. He's about to sacrifice him. And then he hears a voice say, listen, you've, you've, you've shown God how much you submit to him. There's a ram there, sacrifice that instead. So that was one point where I was like, wow, this is, this submission to God is amazing. I would like to have even a 10th of that type of submission to mm. God. Because I think we mentioned this last week that it's so easy to submit to God when things are going well. Yeah. Or when you think you're going to get something good out of it, right? Like I'm gonna I'm gonna pray for this job. And if I don't get this job, I'll get the next one because God will provide. But what if it's not in God's will for you to ever get a job? Yeah. What, what do, do you, you do, do then? then? Exactly. Ooh, jinx. Are you <laughs> are you still going to continue to submit to him? Are you still going to continue being faithful to him? Because that's exactly what you know, what we learn for, from Abraham that submission to God should happen in all circumstances and we need to have that same spirit today. I guess I just wanted to wrap it up as well because I forgot to raise it when I was talking about Abraham's love for everyone and just generally I think this is these are good scriptures to remind ourselves oh, of nice um is first John 4 8 dear friends let us love one another for love comes from God everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God and John 15 12 to 13 oh my American accent has just slipped out there I don't know why John um, my command is this love each other as I have loved you greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends first Peter 4 8 says above all love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins and lastly first Corinthians 16 14 do everything in love. Oh, I love that. So much love. I lo Did you like that? I love mm. that. Yeah. Well, you say in a saucy <laughs> way. Mm. <laughs> to wrap this all up, I, think, I love that you've actually come up with those scriptures because it comes into the challenge that I want to give to all our listeners. So the first one is I want you to write down ways in which you will actively submit to the Lord this week. And I know some of you probably already do it, but I think sometimes when you write things down, you're able to visually see them. So that's your first challenge. Your second challenge on the topic of loving one another, I want you to pray that God shows you someone who may need you to pray for them. We spoke about intercessory prayers today. Not only that, when he shows you this individual, not only pray for them by yourself in your devotions, I actually want you to give them a call and ask to pray for them. 